yes. Come on, let's lift our hearts with our hands and love him. He is great and mighty and holy. Won't you do it now? Oh, won't you do it now? Show him honor. Show him praise. Show him sacrifice. By the lifting of your heart with your hands. Heavenward. I bless thee, O living God. I worship thee, O holy Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You are God. And we praise you. And everybody said, praise the Lord. And everybody said, hallelujah. All right. I want to turn this morning your attention in the Word of God to the book of 1 Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter 15. As you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we'll go to the very last verse. And that's verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Okay, I'd like to work for a little while on always growing in grace and knowledge. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. As a subtitle, I would say, Achievable Goals. Achievable Goals. Or an achievable goal here. How can I always be abounding. How can I be, you know, unmovable? How can this take place in my life? How can I be steadfast, always abounding in the work of the Lord? And one of the reasons, of course, and that's given there, is because this is something that is not worthless. So many things are worthless. They're vain. They're worthless. They're of no value when you compare them to eternity. Then you've got to focus your mind on that which is profitable and that which is, shall we say, according to the Scripture, we, as people who are either coming into the body of Christ the church, or are in it. We look at the things which are eternal, the scripture says. So we're getting our eyes off of the things that are temporal or temporary. Remember, everything that has to do with this natural life that you can get all cranked up about and all 
temporarily excited about, that all of those things are just that. They're temporary. They're not going to last. They have no lasting value. And they have no redeeming value. And they are certainly not eternal. It's important for you and I to make a distinction between what's temporary and is going to, as Jesus said, heaven and earth is going to pass away. Even as you look up and see the expanse of the sky and through space uh, observatories you can, or telescopes, you can see, if you have the opportunity to look, you can see beyond what your na naked eye or natural eye can see standing here this today, step outside, look into that beautiful blue sky today, and that gorgeous sun shining. Makes me glad I'm from South Florida, and uh, I do like to emphasize the South part. And uh, there's so many things to be thankful for, but as you are out there and looking up, uh, many things to be thankful for. We have not had a hurricane in almost 10 years, and uh, we've been so blessed with good weather and health and life and strength and encouragement and uplifting. Uh, we haven't had any mudslides. don't know that we've had any of those anyway. Um, there's so many, I haven't had any typhoons or cyclones or so many other things. Even uh, the Bible said earthquakes in different parts of the earth. We haven't had any of those. Uh, we're very blessed, and I'm very thankful. And I want to give God thanks. And I want you to remember to give God thanks. All right? That's important. Uh, so anyway, to keep in mind that uh, there are many natural things. Heaven and earth, he said, it's going to pass away. You look up there and you see it. It's beautiful today. But it's going to pass away. And uh, the earth that you stand on, terra firma, it's going to pass away. Okay, it's going to pass away. And uh, the same creator, the same one God, whose name is Jesus Christ, the name above every name, he said, he said very plainly, that he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. So, the things that are going to pass away, we don't want to focus on those things. We don't want to build our life, our thinking, our planning, our hopes, and our dreams. We don't want to build those, our, all of that around things down here. Okay, We want to use the things of this life for a proper purpose. And one of those purposes is to edify, to use it to strengthen, to use it to encourage, to use it to benefit and to be a blessing. Everybody said amen. amen. Now, when you look in the Bible, if you flip back a page, for an example, a page or two, I'd like to read a verse at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And again, I'll read the last verse of that chapter, and that's, that's verse 31. 
This chapter 12 deals with particularly the subject matter of the gifts of the Spirit, and the gifts of the Spirit are wonderful things. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. Okay, we believe in that. But like anything else, I have seen the gifts of the Spirit abused. I've seen them mismanaged. I've seen them operated by human spirits mechanically. And uh, I don't mean to just be down here. I'm just telling you I've seen that. Thankfully, by the grace of God, I have seen just the opposite. I've seen them operated in the spirit. I've seen them and been a part of seeing that done correctly, righteously, godly, and edifyingly. And we're going to get to that word in just a moment. But as Paul taught, and thank God he did, here in 1 Corinthians 12, the last verse, verse 31, he said, But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Now, we should be interested in a, in a more excellent way. Okay, we should be interested in that. Of course, it goes into chapter 13, and uh, I think I mentioned in teaching here a while back, we'll do it again. Remember, Romans 5 and 5, said that the Holy Ghost, everybody said Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, which by the way is termed in the Bible the gift of God, the gift of eternal life, everlasting life, the spirit of truth, the comforter. These are all synonymous terms or terms that mean the same thing that can be used interchangeably. And so notice that this gift of God, he said, Romans 5 and 5, he termed it the love of God. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which he hath given or is giving unto us. In some cases it's given. Other places there are people seeking it, and God is giving it. Come to pass in the last days, saith God, I'll pour out, or afterward, saith God, I'll pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters would prophesy. Your young men see visions and old men would dream dreams. And upon my servants and my handmaidens I'll pour out of my spirit in those days, saith the Lord. And those days began in Acts chapter 2 in your Bible. Jesus had introduced the church that he was going to build the only one he was ever going to build. I didn't say the church house. I said the church, meaning the body of Christ. It's a corporate body of believers. And by one spirit, as 1 Corinthians 12 teaches, by one spirit are you all baptized into one body, which is the church. Okay, And so that's why, once again, we have to be born again of water and of the spirit. And when we're baptized in water, then we're born again of water. When we're baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. And then when we're Filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Then that's being born again of the Spirit, which we must do. We must experience that. 
And God gives that to them that obey him. Acts 8 and 32. Okay. So he's saying here, and he puts together for you that in Romans 5 and 5, the Holy Ghost, the love of God, okay, shed abroad in our hearts. So notice in chapter 13, though I speak with the tongues or the languages of men and of angels, and have not the Holy Ghost. That's what you can read there. Meaning I have not the love of God. All right. See, people want to tell you and talk about the love of God. They don't know what they're talking about. You know, they've got a, a human misconception. They've got a natural point of view. Just like when Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And they got to fussing among themselves. And it's amazing how easily we can find ourselves fussing among ourselves sometimes over something that is not meant to be fussed over at all. <laughs> and how quickly. And that's why we tell you to remember. Marv, I want you up here next to Brother Phillips, please. And uh, I know that your looks are so dazzling, but, you know, come dazzle us, whatever. But... Uh, you can quit laughing now. It's okay. All right. Anyway. Uh, anyway. The Bible is teaching you very plainly. Okay. That this love of God is the Holy Ghost. And we got they got to fussing because they thought natural. And they thought that Jesus was talking about bread. Leaven. Bread. And their natural minds was equating leaven and bread. Leaven and bread. Leaven and bread. Why didn't you bring the bread? And they got to arguing one another, pointing the finger at one another until one of them didn't capsize the boat. And uh, probably was rocking it pretty good. And you know what? We don't want to be rocking the boat. We don't want to be rocking the boat. Everybody said, I don't want to rock the boat. Okay. We want this to be smooth. Okay. So... Though I speak with the tongues or the languages of men and angels and have not the love of God, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not the love of God, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not the love of God, have not the Holy Ghost, it profiteth me nothing. The Holy Ghost, that is the love of God, suffereth long and is kind. The love of God, that is the Holy Ghost, edifieth, envieth rather, envieth not. Charity, or the love of God, or the Holy Ghost, Vaunteth not itself. It doesn't lift itself up over somebody else. And it is not puffed up. It doth not behave itself unseemly. It seeks not her own. It's not about me, 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 me. That's what he's saying. Okay? And it thinketh no evil. It's not easily provoked and thinketh no evil. It rejoices not in iniquity. I told one young lady recently she was on social media and you have to be very 
careful about social media. Now, social media can be extremely destructive, and in many cases it is being extremely destructive and hurtful and harmful and even hateful. And somebody sent this individual, well, they sent out a couple postings, and her being a friend of this person was reading these postings. And one of them had a very nasty cuss word in it. And, uh, and then the other one had a very promiscuous message to it sexually oriented, and so, funny thing about it, somebody brought it to my attention. So I talked to the young lady, and I said, you posted like, you said you liked that statement, that posting that had profanity in it, and you also said you liked this other sensuous, provocative, promiscuous statement. And of course, the head is hanging, and, you know, I told the individual, I said, I probably don't have it anymore because, you know, everything's electronic now. Right, Dre? Everything's electronic now, and uh, cyberspace. And, um, but there was a game years ago called Shoots and Ladders. Dare I ask, does anybody remember that? Thank you. God bless you. Some of you are getting older, aren't you? You hadn't caught me yet, though. Hope you don't. Well, I don't know. Maybe I do. But anyway, I said, you know, and of course the individual didn't, being just 18, they had no clue about what I was talking about. So I said, well, let me just say it to you like this. It was ladders that you could go up in the game that would advance you in the right direction, going upward, going forward. And then there was the problem of hitting shoots. And if you hit a shoot, down you'd go, right back to the beginning. And I said, you seem to have this problem, I said, because in the, here around the body of Christ, the church, I said, you, um, you make a couple of good strides forward. And, you know, we're all encouraged. Nice to see you doing a little better. Nice to, you're in church, you're in service. Nice to see your hands up in the air giving praise to your living God that you say you love. It's nice to see you respond like that. Nice to see that you're, you know, getting involved in the youth group and the young people and outreach, different things. Good to see that. These are improvements. You're going up the ladder, so to speak. Nice to see that. Very encouraging. But I've noticed that you have a way of, for the leadership, building up our hopes when you're taking these steps forward and going up these ladders in the right direction. You know, there's a ladder in the Bible. Jacob had a ladder in the house of God. Just thought I'd give you some scripture for that. And uh, so... We are in the ladder climbing business spiritually, and there is divine help, angels ascending and descending, correct? And where Jacob was at, 
he called it Bethel or the house of God, and he called it the gate to heaven. And so we want to be climbing this ladder, don't we? Because we want to go to heaven. And so uh, I said, you you get taking a rung at a time and you're doing a little better and you get us all encouraged. And I said, and then all of a sudden you, you hit the chute. And down you go. When you're on social media, for an example, and you're liking something that is unclean and unspiritual and ungodly. So I said, you know, let's see if we can avoid the shoots and continue on climbing the ladder. And uh, so I'm saying to you, we, we don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to get on the chute here and go tumbling down, sliding down. We don't want to do that. We want to pay attention here. We want to be going in a direction that shows a steadfastness that we are, when it comes to living for God, when it comes to loyalty to Jesus Christ and to his church and to his teachings, to his truth, that we are, I don't care who it is or what it is, that we are unmovable. That in climbing the ladder, we are always abounding, Mr. Sleeper. We are always growing. We are always advancing. We are always going in a positive direction. And you know, positive is important. It's important to be positive. Very important. And you got to pay attention. I've told you before, teaching that my pastor taught me, and that was, it's okay to disagree. You may like blue. I saw something blue uh, a couple days ago and I thought surely that person was going to just be so drawn to that blue. But they chose something else, which was fine. Nothing wrong with that. That's my point. There are some things it's light. It's just preference. That's true. Okay, that's that's true, and uh, that's okay, because you know what? Some things are, uh, in some cases, are not eternal. Some things are temporal. Some things we use, but we're using those things. We're going to take that natural thing and we're going to use it to the spiritual advantage, because that's what we're majoring in. We're majoring in the spiritual things. The eternal things. Everybody said amen. amen. The church is not majoring in temporary things. Alright? So, it's okay in some, on some subjects and some areas and some things to have preference to like. You know? That's okay. After all, that's what makes brother-in-laws. You know? Otherwise, all the guys would like the same woman, right? And that wouldn't work too well, would it? And uh, and vice versa. So it's in, there is there is some preference that's involved. What you think is cool and pretty and nice and slick and everything, somebody else might look at it and turn their nose up. Okay, 
and a color that you're attracted to, uh, a green or a yellow or a blue or a pink, you know, a bright red, you, you might like some of those colors and somebody else might not. Somebody else may like earth tones, you know. So, you know, we're going to understand that that's not really important. But what we're going to learn here is that to disagree and the difference between to disagree and to become disagreeable right there is where spirit gets into a thing. A bad attitude, if you like that way of explaining it. And that is a way to explain it. Right? Creating me a clean heart. Renew within me a right spirit, which is a right attitude. Let me come in line with how you're looking at it, God. And there's the disciples fussing in the boat and rocking the boat all over something that was really non-existent. It didn't even really matter. It wasn't what he was talking about or the goal he was trying to achieve at all. Jesus was talking about sin, false doctrine. And in their carnal, natural way of thinking, no wonder it's written in the book, I couldn't speak to you as spiritual because you're, you're still carnal, still as human beings. You're not exercising your gifts in the body of Christ as born-again son or daughter of God. You're not thinking spiritual. And you're not making a differentiation here. And so you're going to pass easily, quickly. You can How quickly it can go from disagreeing to disagreeable. How quickly a spirit, the enemy, wants to get his foot in the door. How quickly he wants to make a problem. How quickly he wants to make trouble. Okay? So, with that in mind, the writer said, I want to show you something more excellent. I want to show you a more excellent way. And that brings me to uh, 1 Corinthians 14, where he said, follow after the Holy Ghost, the love of God, and desire spiritual gifts. You know, that brings balance. He's not trying to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Okay? Just get a picture of that. You've, you've got this little portable tub, and you just washed your, bathed your little, you know, nine-month-old baby or six-month-old baby, and, uh, or less, and uh, the water now is dirty from, you know, the soap and the washing the baby and cleaning the baby up. And, and so you take your your portable little tub and you whew, you throw out the dirty water. Only problem is you threw the baby out with it. Okay? Hey, that happened to Moses. Just kidding, right? <laughs> well anyway, I'm saying that the 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 teaching of that is you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You want balance. You want balance here. So we want to cast the devil out. We want to separate the devil from the person. Just like if you get cancer. We hate the cancer. We don't hate you. We hate the devil. We don't hate you. We hate that bad spirit. We don't hate you. But that spirit comes to threaten. That spirit comes to tear up. 
that spirit comes to, as he said, to destroy, to kill, to pluck up what's planted. All right? And so that has to be recognized when, it, when he gets in there between disagree and it becomes disagreeable. We've got to recognize that. We've got to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, you don't want to be in the church for any length of time and you're still viewed as a baby in Christ and that you're on the pacifier and have to have a box of pampers around you all the time. You don't want that. We want to grow, well, don't we, in grace and in knowledge. We want to be steadfast. We don't want to be unstable. Right? Okay. So, follow after the Holy Ghost. Desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may edify. That you may, I'm sorry, but rather that you may prophesy. That's preaching. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. I had a guy one time, I was in revival in another state, and uh, made the altar call, and this guy hit the altar, and he was part of the body of Christ. He, was, he had this experience. And the minute he hit the altar, he began to speak in other tongues. And he spoke in tongues, and he spoke in tongues, and he spoke in tongues, and he spoke in tongues. You know, and I'm going around praying for different people, and people need the Holy Ghost, and people need to be healed, and this guy is supposed to be in the church, and he's speaking, and he's speaking, and he's speaking, and, speaking. and finally, you know, I got a little signal in the Holy Ghost, and, uh, you know, I do learn slow and forget fast, so it took the Holy Ghost a little bit to get through to me. But, all right, that was a joke. Hello, come on, is it going over the head here? You with me? Come on, wake up. Hello, ha-ha. Okay, thank you. So, uh, <laughs> I went over to him, and I knelt down next to him, and I told him in his ear, I said, Brother, I said, I want you every once in a while to stop speaking in tongues in another language, in other words, and speak to God in English. Express yourself in English, okay? Because you're a little out of balance here. Well, you know, after service, later on, he found me, came up to me, and he said, Brother, he said, I want you to know that what you told me was right. And he said, and you helped me. Now, you know, everybody doesn't receive things like that. Some people get mad. Some people, the spirit gets into it right there, and they take offense. And they don't receive it in the spirit in which it was given. Like I said, if, um, if I come up to you and I say, now, you've got cancer. I'm going to pray for you right now. And God's going to heal you of that cancer. And we pray for you and God heals you of that cancer. You go to the doctor and the doctor is amazing. It's gone. And you, you come back to church and you give glory to God. You don't get mad. Why would you say that to me? Why did you tell me that you were going to pray for me and that that cancer was going to go away? Why did you do that? No, you wouldn't do that. That would be absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> you wouldn't do that at all. I don't see Brother Franklin complaining that he doesn't have to walk around with a walker or a cane anymore. Or Brother Small that he's not in a hospital bed anymore hooked up to every kind of machinery and wires coming out 
even a tube out of his head, uh, and that he was in a in a bed like a cage with netting all around it, and uh, and that God healed him, and and did so miraculously that the people in the hospital were amazed, and uh, and that's what we wanted to be amazed that it's a notable miracle that none can deny, as the scripture said, and that he's here with us this morning, this man on whom this miracle of healing has been shown. And I don't see him complaining, you know. And uh, why'd you do that? Why'd you come into the intensive care unit? Why'd you pray for me? And why did you get me out of there and get all the wires out of me and get my health being restored to me? Why did you do it? No, he's not going to do that. He's happy. He's excited. He's coming to church again. He's thrilled. Everybody said amen. amen. All right. And many other cases we could go on and on about. So I'm saying to you, that we separate the bad from the good, don't we? That's what we do. We separate the bad from the good. And uh, so we're being directed, rather that you may prophesy, we're being directed in a better way, in a more excellent way. Not that there's anything wrong with prophesying. Oh, no, not at all. So he made it clear. You want to be remember what's happening when you're talking in in another language, that you're spe- not speaking unto men. Just get that clear. But you're speaking unto God, and that's a good thing. He said, for no man understandeth him when he's speaking in another language. Okay? Howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. For he that prophesieth, but, I'm sorry, but he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification. And that's the key word of this 14th chapter, edification. I told you, I mentioned the word earlier, that it would be a key word this morning, edification. That means to strengthen, to strengthen, to make stronger, to bring clarification so that you could know what's happening. You could know what's going on. You could receive understanding so that you won't be in the dark. Okay. So preaching is spoken unto men to edify or to make strong, to even exhortation, explanation, okay, encouragement, and comfort. Comfort. Preaching is to give you comfort. So don't take it wrong. It's come to comfort you, it's come to help you. So he that speaketh in an unknown language, he edifies himself. He edifies himself. Now there's time for that balance. Back to that balance. There's time for that. Okay? Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. There's time for that. But just remember, we don't want to be selfish either. Okay? So you got to keep it in balance that when you're having a good time, maybe somebody else isn't getting anything. Okay? So he edifies himself. He makes himself strong. He encourages himself. He helps himself. But he that is bringing forth the preaching, he edifies the whole congregation, the church, the whole congregation. I would that you all speak with languages or tongues, but rather, there's that word again, but rather that you prophesy. For greater is he that prophesieth 
and he that speaketh with another language, except he interpret. So there are times when God will operate through the body of Christ, and there will be an utterance that is of God in another language, and then God will send the interpretation of that. Now he's saying that supersedes. That takes the priority. Okay. So because it's going to, the reason is because it's going to edify. That's why. Okay. And he said, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. That everybody. Okay. Now, brethren. Okay. And he, he goes to work here on what shall I profit you in verse 6. Okay. Except I come speaking by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine. And even things, he said, with, without a life-giving sound, and we are interested in life-giving, aren't we? Whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harp? You know, there was a certain blast of the trumpet or the shofar horn that Israel had that let them know it was an alarm and there was an enemy coming and everybody had to go to their battle stations to protect the camp, okay? It gave off a certain signal, a certain sound. And that's what the writer is saying here, that when you're speaking out, you want to give off a certain sound. He said, for if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who's going to prepare himself to the battle? He said, so likewise you, except ye utter... By the tongue, words easy to be understood. You know, sometimes, and I'm not calling names, I'm not doing that, so I'm not putting anybody down. But generally speaking, sometimes people think that in preaching they have to use big words. Okay? Your Bible averages out three to four letter words. Okay? In an attempt to give edification that everybody could understand what's being said and, under, and understand it. You know. Somebody gets up there and they're using words that nobody knows what they mean. All they're doing is edifying themselves. All they're doing is giving off, as Acts said, that they're some great person. Okay? So, we want to remember the key is here is edification. To strengthen. To encourage. Alright? And so, Listen closely, again, as he made it clear, many kinds of voices in the world, none of them is without signification. And he said, therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian, and he that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me. Even so you, for as much as ye are zealous, you've got all kinds of zeal, but it's for spiritual gifts, then you better know why. Is it to edify yourself? Is it to give off that you're some great one? Or is it in balance and for the right motive that what you want is for to seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church? I want to strengthen the church. I want to help my brother and sister. I want us to go forward. I want to have revival and breakthrough. So I don't want to let a spirit get into anything that's not of God. Everybody said, praise the, Lord. praise the Lord. So it's like one very wise used 
sharp woman said one time to an individual, said, you've let a spirit get into this. You know? So it's important, church family, when you're together, when you come together, he's teaching here, that you be on guard. Because your adversary, the devil, everybody said the devil, he's going around like a roaring lion. And he wants to get in the midst of us. You know, Satan wants to get among the saints. He wants to get in the midst. He wants to cause trouble. That's all he comes to do. He don't know how to do anything else except cause trouble. All right. So you got to be on guard so that you may excel to the edifying of the church. Okay? So you ask yourself, am I helping or am I hindering? All right? You know, you gifts of the Spirit. Woo! Working in miracles. Healing. So on and so forth. Well, what about helps? One of the gifts of the Spirit is helps. Everybody said, I want to help. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Yeah. I personally think, personally, I'm saying that. But over the years, looking back 44 years, I think that everybody should start off. You know, I, I got to tell you, I'm not a trim carpenter. I barely would qualify as a, as a rough carpenter. What I am is I'm a hold carpenter. Here, hold this. Here, hold that. Here, hold this. Yes, sir. Be glad to do that for you. Move the ladder over here and hold it steady when I climb it. You know, whatever. Okay. So, but you don't start at trim carpentry, I'm trying to say. You, know, you don't start at the top, folks. Okay, and I'm going to tell you, if you're in a company or you're trying to start a company, you're going to start at the bottom, and it's best that you do, because if you start at the bottom and you lawfully climb the ladder and work your way up, and you get to some kind of top somewhere or some kind of plateau, what's going to happen is you're going to be more valuable than the guy that didn't start at the bottom, because you're going to know all the rungs of the ladder. You're going to know all the steps. You're going to know how the whole company operates. You're going to be able to help at every level. Okay? So you become more valuable. You make yourself more valuable by the knowledge that you have gleaned, the experience that you have gleaned. Everybody said, praise the Lord. So we want to excel to the helping, the strengthening, the encouraging of the church. Everybody should come in. Of course, the only way to come in, once again, is to be baptized in Jesus' name. If you're here this morning and we have not yet baptized you in the name of Jesus Christ, please see us after church. We want to baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. And it's for your good. It's for your edification. It's for your salvation. It's for your eternity. And we want to pray for you that God will give you the free gift of the Holy Ghost. All right, completing the new birth experience that places you into the one church, the body of Christ that Jesus started for everybody. All right. So, notice what he, he says here. 
and I want to hit the pertinent points because it's getting late. But he said, um, when you bless with the Spirit, how's the person that's in the room and unlearned, how are they going to say amen at thy giving of thanks? Seeing he understandeth not what thou sayest. He said, thou verily or truly give us thanks well. But the other guy next to you, behind you, over across from you, is not edified. Not edified. I got to be thinking about the other guy. Not about myself. I got to be thinking about the other guy. I got to be thinking about the younger among us. Okay? I got to be thinking about the next generation. So Paul said, yes, I thank my God. I speak with other languages more than y'all. He said, yet in the church, I'd rather speak, rather, there's that word again, I'd rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice I might teach others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. He said, brethren, be not children in understanding. The only thing I want you to be a child about is malice. He said, you be a child in being ugly. In other words, you don't do that. You just not involved with that. You know. He said, but when it comes to being a child, he said, then you want to be a child in malice. You, meaning you don't you want to you don't want to be malicious. That a childlike attitude, as Jesus said, the kingdom of God, you got to become like a little child. No guile, no sneakiness, no underhandedness. Nothing going on behind the scenes somewhere, you know, always pulling one over. I always wonder about people that, uh, you know, they're so worried. Uh, somebody told what we were talking about to the pastor. Wait a minute. Why wouldn't you want the pastor to know what you're talking about? What's wrong? In children, children, in malice, be children. Let's not have any maliciousness. Let's not have anything underhanded. Let's not have anything that is movable. Let's not have anything that's unstable. Because we're majoring in being steadfast. We're trying to excel in things that strengthen and encourage and lift up. Everybody said amen. amen. Sure we are. We want revival. We want people to be saved. We want to be strong enough to pull people out of the fire, don't we? All right. So, once again, we're watching this word. And you know, we can have a worship church family. There is a worship that can be produced. An environment brought on by edification that it will produce an environment that people will come and they'll get convicted of the way they live and the places they go and the things they do. And so falling down on their face, they will worship God. And they'll report that God is in you of a truth. Now listen to what he said in verse 26 of 1 Corinthians 14. And I, I am going to try to close. How is it then, brethren, feeling to you, 
appealing to you, whatever your age, appealing to you. Okay? How is it then, brethren, asking the question? When you come together, we're pretty good about coming together, aren't we? When you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. He's like, okay, okay. Just let all things be done unto edifying. That's the main thing. Let that be the motivation. Let that be the purpose of why you're doing what you're doing. Why you're speaking what you're speaking. Okay? Why you're coming together. So that it's going to edify, it's going to strengthen, it's going to bless, it's going to encourage, it's going to hold up hands that hang down. It's going to bring healing to the lame and to them that are turned out of the way and can't seem to find their way. And you, you're going to be able to guide them. You know, you're going to be able by how you act and how you do. Okay? So I want to come with that motivation. I want to come with that pulling. I want, to, I want to know why I'm coming here. And we want people, new people that come, we want them to come into an environment where they feel what we're producing by rather seeking to excel, to edify. Okay? So I'm going to say to you here uh, that in this teaching this morning, 1 Corinthians 15 and 58, steadfast, unmovable, always abounding, okay, in the work of the Lord. That qualifies it. Don't, don't put all of your efforts into natural things and always be worried about, you know, if you give yourself to God, you'll get that promotion. If you'll give yourself to the church and edifying the work of God, you'll get that pay raise. If you'll be faithful to what God's teachings are, you will see God bring advancement in your life. He will do that. You won't have to worry about it. You won't have to figure out all kinds of different ways to make it happen. God opens the doors. God can do these things. Whatever it might be that you have need of. Okay? So, anyway, you stick with the church. Uh, so I want to give you a couple of words. Steadfast. I want to give you the word solid, unmovable. I want to give you the word stable. And always abounding, I want to give you the more excellent way. The more excellent way. Everybody said praise the Lord. I want you to think of it maybe in those terms, in those words, along with what it said. Steadfast, unmovable, always abounding. I want you to think in terms of being stabilized. That you're not, and unstable is a word in the Bible. And it's not something we're trying for. It's not something we're shooting for. Okay? One place used the terminology in teaching and about a situation and said they were beguiling those that are unstable. You don't want the enemy to use anybody or anything to beguile you, to trick you. Okay? You know, when I first came in the church, brand new, knew nothing about the Bible, knew nothing about the Word of God, 
It was all brand new. I'd gotten baptized in Jesus' name because I was shown and I did read it then at that point in my life. And I uh, had just received the baptism of the Holy Ghost again in the Bible. And I experienced that, placed me in the body of Christ, and God had called me to preach. And uh, I remember being in a rally, and the preacher's wife had got up, and she was testifying. She was giving forth, if you please, the word of the Lord. And in so doing it, she said, you don't ever leave the church. You don't ever leave the truth. You don't ever leave the message, the things that are right. She said, and she even called, and she called a couple names, and one of them was me. Well, I was brand new, so I guess that's why she referred to me as a new convert. And, Brother Fell, she said, it doesn't matter who leaves. You don't leave. Said, if your mother leaves, if your father leaves, if your wife leaves, you stay. That's what she said. It had an impression on me, and that's 44 years ago, and I still remember it, you know. So, you know, I'm not wanting to lose anybody. I'm not wanting anybody there to be a separation, but hey, you know, that's going to be a choice sometimes that people make. After all, above 360 of them chose not to obey, and who paid the price? They did, because they weren't in the upper room, were they? They didn't get this great experience. They didn't continue on with Jesus. And they didn't continue in the apostles' doctrine. All right? Everybody said praise the Lord. So, yes, I love people. Lots of people. But I love Jesus more. Let's stand together. Amen. Let's take a moment, if you would. As they come and get ready, lifting our hearts with our hands. Oh, God, thank you for everything. Thank you for the truth of heaven and the glory of God. Let your peace rule in our hearts. Grant us a wisdom and an understanding and a knowledge. And I pray your spirit will be poured out once again. I pray that you will heal the sick among us once again. I thank you, O holy God, for this truth and this message. In the great and wonderful and glorious name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, dear God. Thank you, dear God. Thank you, dear God. Let's worship the Lord, shall we?